Welcome to the Female Millennial Entrepreneur Podcast, the show by and for female millennial entrepreneurs who are building and running thriving, successful businesses while living life to the fullest. I'm your host, Alessandra Polina. I'm so happy to have Hanukkah Antonelli, an award-winning certified coach with over 15 years of business experience with us here today to talk all things expanding and growing business. Hanukkah, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me. It's such a delight to always be interviewed by you. So that's, I'm excited. Can't wait to dive in. Yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, which is probably most people, but um, <laughs> I've known Hanukkah for, I don't know, over a year now, I yes. think, um, as she's local to Boston, and we've been kind of working together for, a, yeah, I think about, about a, a year. year. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about that. I think it was in March 2018 that you came to the Mastermind Dinners, like that we first met. And then, so it's been a little, it's been a while now that we've known each other. And then I know like you joined in, I think it was in June, even yesterday I was thinking, oh, how long has it been? And I think it was June that you signed up for wow. the mastermind. Yeah, yeah. You might be right. It's, <laughs> time has really been flying. <laughs> I know, right? It feels like such a long time or not really. It, it's actually short, but then you're like, wow, no, actually it's, it's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So we do, um, Hanukkah does dinners once a month, which I absolutely love, um, where we get together and kind of talk about business and there's a a group of women who come every month, but anyway, that's not really what I was, (laughs) what this is about, but that's kind of, we digressed already. (laughs) So we've known each other for a while, which has been the case for some of the people I've had on the show, but not that many. So it's kind of fun. But, um, anyway, let's back up and tell people, you know, what's your business about? How'd you get started and how'd you get to where you are now? Yeah. All right. So um, first off, I did a bachelor's of, what is my bachelor's of financial analysis, I think is what it's called. So I have a business degree. And so first I worked on Wall Street and then while on Wall Street, I was like, this isn't what I want to do. And I received quite a bit of coaching while I was working there. And so through that, I made a lot of shifts, realized that, you know, this whole Wall Street thing is not for me. And so I was like, okay, so what's next? So I quit in 2009, right in the middle of the recession. Everybody was like, what are you doing? Like, it's the middle of a recession and you quit your job. Like, what are you thinking? But I just had enough. And so I started my own Pilates business and brand, Pilates with Hanukkah. And I grew that to award-winning status fairly quickly and realized then one, you know, that I had kind of taken it to where I wanted to take it. I didn't want to open a brick and mortar and I didn't want to become a YouTube sensation and star. So I was like, okay, so what's next? And through the coaching that I had received, I was like, you know what? I think this is, this is actually what I want to do. And at the time, I didn't know that you could just, you could become a coach by doing a certification program. I thought you had to go back to school and become a psychologist. And once I figured out that actually that's not the case, I was signed up within two like weeks of finding that out to coaching school. And then I finished that and started my practice back in 2013. And then it was sort of interesting. They always say this to you, your niche is going to pick you. And, you know, so first I was sort of helping people to also 
find their passion. And it turned out that most people who were coming to me wanted to start their own businesses. And so the Savvy Business Masterminds was actually born first before I ever did private business coaching, which is kind of interesting now that I started with the group program first. And then from there, used my you know Wall Street background, realized that actually my dad rubbed off on me way more than I had thought because he was an accountant and really good in business. And so that's how like, you know, I just pulled it all together. And today I do private business coaching and I also run the Savvy Business Masterminds. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I love, I mean, your story is so like, you've done so much. <laughs> like you weren't like, this is what I'm doing and now I'm doing it. Yeah. Like, have like life experience there yeah. and business like experience in different types, like totally different types of business. Too. Yeah. Which I think is what really, obviously it's really an advantage um, because now I, I know a lot of industries and then I can draw from a lot of things. And I think also, mm-hmm. you know, running the masterminds, I also get a lot of information from different industries. So I, I'm able to help my clients a little better. And then I think what also really helped me is, so I made my entrance into the Boston market as a Pilates instructor. And I was teaching about 200 people a week through all of my classes. Right. And so I, I really quickly got very networked into the city. And through that, when I made that jump to coaching Boston, I was already on Boston magazine's radar and that's how I then was able to fairly quickly win that award uh, for my coaching business after Hmm. starting my business, my, the coaching side of things. So yeah, it's sort of, it's interesting how it just all flowed together and, and become this. And my husband and I was actually talking last night because we were speaking about the savvy business retreat that's coming up next week, Friday, which I'm very excited about. And he was like, yeah, you know what? Because he's known me since, you know, I was on Wall Street. And he's like, you've really found your thing. Because he just remembers me crying my eyes out (laughs) and being so miserable on Wall Street. And now it's, and he had come to the previous event to film a couple of things. And he was like, yeah, you're really in your element. So it feels really nice to have found this and being passionate about it, but also just seeing the results that my clients get, which is so exciting. Yeah, it's actually really cool how your Pilates business almost did like it, it was able to like almost merge in there. Like you were able to take the things that would be helpful there and turn it into ways to help you in the new business. But also you have all that ex- like I feel like there are a lot of coaches out there. I feel like right now there are just a lot of coaches out there. Yeah, <laughs> but like, like, like half the t- have, half the time they haven't even been doing anything themselves for more than like a year. And I'm like, where are you getting this? like, how are you going to help people when you haven't seen other people in business? You haven't been in business. Like you have to have some amount of experience, mm-hmm. I think. Anyway, I think that's like something that you definitely like bring to all that. Not only just in the experience with all the different types of businesses you've worked with and helped through your coaching, but also like your personal experience of like doing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually- so, yeah. Thank you. And I do pride myself in that is that I do have this, you know, I have a business degree. I grew up with an accountant for a dad. I'm pretty sure one of my first words was cash flow and over overcapitalization, <laughs> you know, like, and knowing what that is at a very young age. So yeah, I do pride myself in, in what I can bring to the table for my clients. Yeah. So, okay. That's maybe a good like segue into, like, I want to get into a little of the nitty gritty of 
how you help people to actually grow and scale businesses. Because I think a lot of us, um, probably a lot of the people who listen to this podcast, a lot of us are kind of small, smaller businesses or solopreneurs even, but kind of like at a stage where we're maybe ready to grow or considering growing. Like there's a lot of conversation around that, I think, just like kind of in our circles. So I think it's just something everyone always, like you never like know, I guess, when the right thing, especially when you're in it. So I think that you can help us a lot by talking a little bit about kind of like how to scale, like what the right steps are. Like, tell me like if you can, can you tell when you kind of talk to somebody or start working with someone or just kind of get to know someone who's a business owner, like when they're ready to scale, like, are there any signs that you can kind of tell like, okay, you probably are ready or like maybe somebody wouldn't be or whatever that is, or things that we can think about ourselves as business owners? Yeah, no, absolutely. I love that question, by the way. So number one, I think it starts more with why do you want to scale? Mm -hmm. Because especially in the online world, there is this very much like make a million dollars in overnight success, right? (laughs) And I always want to go to that person and go, sure, great. You're making a million dollars. What is your profit margin on that? Are you making a million dollars and you are spending $900,000 to make a million dollars? Then why? Right? Like, why are you doing that? So I think it's really about deciding like, A, if I scale, am I going to be able to increase or keep my profit margins the same so that I make more profit while I'm scaling? Right. So really thinking about that, because if you're just going to scale and you have to hire, your overhead is quite large and you can't get your overhead down, then what's the point of, because you're going to have to work a little harder, right? Like you are going to have to be a little bit more organized, like take on a little bit more stress. And we're going to get into that in a little bit, because this is a lot Mm. of what I help people with is to deal with that. But so you have to first know, like, is this scaling going to lead to more profit? Then number two is... (laughs) Right. And then number two is who wants to scale? Is it because people who know nothing about your business is telling you that, hey, why don't you add five more team members or you should do X, Y, and Z. And they don't really have any idea about business, don't know anything about your business. Is it outside pressure that's making you feel like you have to do that? Because then that is not an internal drive. And in order to be a successful, passionate entrepreneur, you have to have that fire in your belly. You have to have that joy and excitement to want to go to the next level. So it needs to be internal, right? And then once it is internal, once you're like, no, you know what? My profit margins are going to be great. And this this is, I love, like for me, that's actually what I love doing. I love building businesses, which is why I was like, let me help other people build their businesses before I build 20 businesses (laughs) and become like a serial entrepreneur, right? So once you have that down, then it also becomes like, what is the foundation of your business look like? Is your systems and processes, are they in check? And are they as streamlined as they can be so that you really build your business on a good foundation? And this is where we see startups run into a lot of trouble because their scaling is often externally driven because the market is pushing them to grow faster. And sometimes they get investing money, et cetera, et cetera. And so they are pulled in in a million little different uh, positions. And then all of a sudden, 
like they clonk in because the foundation wasn't built right in the first place. Yeah, that makes sense too. Mm-hmm. So if you think someone is kind of like ready, like if you can tell they're like in the right place and they like want to do it, mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes people kind of know they want to do it and they've maybe been saying it for a while, but they're still kind of scared to make it happen. Yeah. Whether that's, I mean, like, and why is that? I mean, sometimes I think obviously if it has to do with hiring people, that can be scary because mm-hmm. you're going to be in charge of having to pay someone or whatever. And there are all kinds of reasons, I guess. But what are some of the things that you've seen that people kind of scare people off and how can you get over that if you really do think you want to build it yeah. a little bit more? Absolutely. So there's so many. So I, there's, there's that fear of, I'm going to have to manage other people and I'm going to have to be responsible for that person's pay. Then there is the, I'm going to have to be super organized or actually come clean that I'm not that organized. I'm going to have to show my can of worms to someone, right? (laughs) We're like, oh, I'm not really ready to do that. And then there's this other thing that that's a complete mindset shift that has to happen. And I call this like you stepping into being the CEO of your company. You have to actually step up and become the leader, right? So that means that you have to stop doing it all. And for most service providing businesses, we start our businesses and we do everything. We are the CEO of everything. So like the chief executive officer of everything, right? And and that is not like when you are going to scale, you have to make that shift and let go. And that can be the hardest thing because A, you're going to think that it's going to take you so much time to train someone else. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to let go and let things be imperfect or be different from how you would normally do it. And yeah. that is huge for people. Like that, that is huge. That and then that weight of responsibility that, oh my God, now I'm going to have to make X amount of money because I also have to pay this other person. Yeah. Those are, I think those are the, definitely the biggest ones that I would think of for yeah. me at least. I mean, and there's such a, like, it's such a balance, right? Of, okay, it's going to be really helpful. It's going to take a lot off my plate and it's going to allow us to do more as a business, but, but I have to be okay with something being done. It's going to be done, but not quite the way I would have done it or not maybe exactly the, you know, how I would have wanted it, but you have to be like, you know what? It's good enough. It's getting the job done and it's allowing us to grow and allowing me to do something else. So like, it's okay, but that could be so hard when you're used to doing everything And then, and I think then people trip themselves up. So they've hired the person and then they find that it's taking them more work and then they're scared to grow even further because they're like, well, I'm now having to overwork and then not being able to have these. And this is exactly what happens, right? When you are ready to scale, you have to become a leader. And so, yeah, you end up spending more of your time managing the other people and you're going to have to have some day to day work. Exactly. You're going to have to have some difficult conversations. And I don't even like calling them difficult conversations. It's just honest conversations Um, Mm -hmm. and being okay with giving other people feedback, being okay with not wanting to be liked the whole time. Right. And then what I also do with my clients is I have them do a personality test and then I can show them like what in their personality is actually going to work against them as they scale and go to the next level. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. So I can actually pinpoint. And it's interesting because whenever I've done, I do these uh, team days with clients. And when I get their team's information about their personalities, then I'm like, I can so see why certain things are happening in the business just based on the people on paper. I'm like, oh my word, this is why this is happening. This is why this is happening. This is why so-and-so is frustrated. So it's very interesting once you get into the real nitty gritty of it. Oh my God. Yeah. I think that sounds, I I never thought of that doing a personality test on yourself to see what type of leader you'll be and how that might help or hinder. So you'll know going into it, like which types of things you should be kind of prepared to work on or figure out like maybe in advance even like, okay, it's going to be tough for me to have those hard conversations or whatever, because of whatever type of leader I, or person I am. Exactly. So how can I go into it already kind of maybe having an outline of how I'll handle certain situations or things like that? Yeah. Cause it is becoming, and there's this word that's being bounced around and it's overused about vulnerability, but I like to rather just say authenticity, like you showing up as your true self with all of your uh, like your baggage, right? Your baggage, or as they said in six and six in the city, the baggage that you had, right? So you show up and you have to be on it, like have to be able to communicate that to your employees, right? Like, so for me, and we were talking about this um, at our dinner on Wednesday, where you're like, you always seem like you have your stuff together so well. And I'm like, no, actually, I don't. Like, it's actually my assistants that are running me. Like, I have, because I am a very free spirited, creative person, I have people on my team who are keeping me in alignment. Because otherwise, I'll just like want to, you know, have a new system every day. So, start a new business. <laughs> exactly. Or, yeah, absolutely. Start a new business every day. It's like, nope, I've got this is what's happening. And they're keeping me in check. That's why it's so important to know yourself very, very well and and do these tests so that you know exactly like who do I need and who am I and how are we going to work together? And often you do need an outside facilitator to come and help you see that. Well, yeah, because I imagine even like doing the test can be really helpful, but you don't necessarily know how to then translate whatever those answers are, whatever that kind of personality that you have is like, how do you best use that in your business? Exactly. That's something people wouldn't necessarily get. But I know you had mentioned the other night at the dinner, some of the tests that people could look up. Like maybe I can put some of them in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I have like, I have quite a few that I love. So the Colby um, is a really good one. Colby sort of tells you whether you're more of someone who needs a lot of facts before you take action, whether your brain is more engineering oriented or whether you're a quick start. Now, so I am a quick start nine, which means I don't have any, like I don't need a lot of information before I take action, which Mm -hmm. can be really good as an entrepreneur because that means my fear isn't going to get in front of my desire to act, which is good and really bad at the same time, because that means I'm going to throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks versus making a calculated decision. Mm -hmm. So therefore, if I have people on my team, I have to make sure that they are more high fact finders, right? They are people who are going to come in and they're going to do the research and come and report to me. And then I'm going to make the decision, this inspired decision. So that's the Colby. Then there's also obviously the good old Myers-Briggs. And that one you can go and take for free at 16personalities.com. 
Oh, awesome. Yeah. So go and do that because they give you a lot of information about relationships and how you work in the workplace, your strengths and weaknesses. And that's actually what I'm going to be using next week at the retreat as well with people. So people who are coming to the retreat will get a little bit of like insight into themselves and then hopefully that will help them with their teams as well. And then the other one that I really, really like is how I fascinate. And the how I fascinate taste is really good for A, to show you your leadership qualities and then also the things that are dormant in you, which are your distractions or the things that can come up and cause havoc or when you're least effective, then, you know, if you're acting from this specific place, then that's when you're least effective with with people. So it's all about how you can gain the trust and be a better leader so that you resonate well with other people. So that is how I fascinate. Yeah. And I highly recommend doing that one too for marketing. If you're, if you have to do your own marketing and you're in the service space and you specifically with what we're doing, where we're helping other people, if we want to be more effective with them, like it gives us some language that we can use in our copy to hook them in. So yeah, very good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Oh, I love it. That's so good. Yeah. I'm going to try to write those down in the show notes so people could look those up and and see about it. So, okay. Are you, I feel like that was already so useful, but are there any kind of like tips or tricks that you would say just to keep in mind in like people in general, when they're going to scale their business, like, is there one or two things that you tell people like, this is like a, you know, a blanket tip that's helpful. I think just what we covered, like make sure your profit margins are good. Make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Know that you're going to be also the other. I think here's the tip. You're always going to be scared. If you're an entrepreneur, welcome. (laughs) Welcome to your fear. And the quicker you can start to dance with your fear and love it and accept it, the better. Because there's always going to be something to worry about. And I'm sort of putting... Mm -hmm. little quotation marks in there. So the sooner you can learn to just let those demons be there without you focusing on them and getting involved in them and trying to solve it all, the better. Like you can move through it so much quicker and you can take action without your fear overpowering you and then getting in the way of your desire. Oh yeah. That's so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I guess we've talked a lot. I mean, when you talk about scaling, I think one of the main things people think of is, you know, you have to build a team, you have to grow by hiring people, Mm -hmm. which I mean, I don't know, maybe that's not always the case, but yeah. So I think if you're, it depends on what kind of business you are, right. That whether you're going to have to add and how many team members you're going to add. I do feel like if you're in the internet spheres, it's easier to scale without having to add too much or too many people. And you can hire more independent contractors and people to do contract work for you. Right. So the specific, like now I need them and now I have them. Which is why I think being an an online business owner is a totally different animal from someone who has a brick and mortar and needs to scale because there's way more intricacies there. And I think that's also why I love working with that more because there's Mm -hmm. way more involved. There's a lot more that needs to happen and there's a lot of shifts and, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's just, I love that. 
sort of my thing. Yeah, true. Like if you're doing online stuff, you could just kind of either add more products or raise prices or whatever, and you're essentially scaling your business. But when you're actually like a brick and mortar or or even like a service-based business, probably like mine, it's like you kind of need to bring on more people when you're going to, if you're going to offer your service to more people or take on bigger clients or whatever it is. Yeah. And so I think this is maybe like a tip for a service-based entrepreneur is to the way you scale service is you either add another offering or you increase your prices. It's always going to be one or both of those to scale. And I think if you're already like, well, I've, I've raised my, my one-on-one price to the maximum that the market will sustain, then it's a good idea to look into, okay, so how can I make this one to many? Right, mm-hmm. like then it becomes like a group program or a DIY course, or maybe you hold a retreat. For instance, if we go into my business, a retreat is is a way that I scale and also give myself a cash flow injection because it's one day, and so then that brings us to you can think of quick cash flow injections, which is something like a retreat, and then something that's longer term, like a contract with a client or a, a certain project work that you're going to do for them, something that like where there's a retainer involved. Mm-hmm. And when you build your business, you want both of those things built in so that you can give yourself cash injections when you need cash flow to go up. And also you can build sustainable revenue so that things don't feel like you're going to lose your mind every two seconds, right? Because you're like, oh my God, there's like the money's going to run out at the end of the month. So you're like in that fear reactive mode so that you can start responding more to your business versus reacting. Yeah, that makes total sense. I think that's a really good thing to keep in mind that there are kind of those two pieces to it that you can do. Yeah. And even just kind of like reminding ourselves that I love the what you said, like a cash flow injection or is that what you said? Or just yes. cash injection? Yeah. Like, cash injection, cash flow injection. Yeah. It's going to help your cash like flow. Your whatever it is, your monthly retainers or whatever is like not necessarily getting you where you want or like you want to pay for something big, some kind of big investment, like find a way to, to drum it up. Thing. Yeah. To, to bring in a little extra money that month. Mm-hmm. Such a good, such a good thing to keep in mind. But I want to also. I feel like you probably have some tips on how to, like, if you're thinking about actually building the team. Mm-hmm. If we're going mm-hmm. that route, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how do you know, how, like, who to bring on and how to delegate in a way that will make it make sense? Yes. So this is where it. Um, first off, you need to know yourself because you need to know where your gaps are because most of us want to hire, and I'm going to put it in air quotations, like-minded people. But Mm -hmm. I stopped using the word like-minded because that means we're only getting more and more of the same and we're not diversifying. Yeah. Right. And when you're building a team, you're going to have, if you want a robust team, you're going to have to diversify that team in terms of specifically here. When I say diversification, I'm talking more about the skill set that people are going to bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And of course, then you can go into culture and da, 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 like that, that is going to be part of it too. But, but for right now, let's just focus on what skill set do you need to come in? What are you, this is where you need to know, what are you really good at? And I call this the zone of genius. Where are you working where it doesn't even feel like work, right? 
So for me, that is marketing feels super easy. It, it like that will that will be like my zone where I'm like, yep, yeah, it's super easy for me to do that. It's super easy for me to appear in person and speak to people. And then stuff that I'm not good at is systems and processes. So someone else, please just take that off of my freaking plate, right? So when I go and look for someone now, I'm going to make sure that I have someone who is more of a high fact finder, someone who pays more attention to detail, like all those things, right? Super important. So hire your gaps is the short answer. Just make sure you hire your gaps. And then when it comes to then having to delegate to the other person, before you bring the other person on, go and write down what is it that your role is going to be? What is it that you want them to do? And make sure that you have a operations manual for that person. Now, everybody always goes like, oh, operations manual. (laughs) Don't worry about it. Maybe you get the person in there, you explain to them via use Loom or whatever how to do the thing and let them write the operation manual for you. Or if you already have a business, right, Like that people are, you already have a team, then make sure that you get each team member to write down what they're doing and then build an operations manual for you. So that's how you do it quick. That's so smart. Yeah. Yeah. It's not even like you have to like put it together beforehand. It's like you can literally have them do it. And it probably helps them like kind of think more about their job too and like mm-hmm. be mindful about what it is that they're supposed to be doing and like how they're doing it. Exactly. And, like and then so I actually just recently did this team day with a client of mine with her and her staff. And so we did all of this. We got clear on what was their role, what was her role, what were their personality types, what was going to hinder and help and how they could work better together. And we, we all we did that from also stemming from the company's mission and yeah. values. So then making sure that like the values and the mission like trickles through and that the employees understand where this comes from and why that is important and how that's going to help them all to to grow this. And that created massive buy-in from her employees so that it's not her way, it's our way. Oh yeah, that's so good. Mm -hmm. That's so good. And I think, um, I mean, I just love what you said about like a few minutes ago about hire your gaps because I think so many of us kind of go into it like, oh, what I need is another one of me. Like I need mm. to clone myself. And you're right? gonna and you're gonna do that because that feels that is the thing that feels easy to do. Because mm-hmm. you're gonna sit with that person in an interview and they're gonna be super easy to talk with and to. And then that's gonna make you think, yeah, that this is definitely the person. But the only reason why that's happening is because you're hiring a mini me. Yeah, that's such a good point. Mm-hmm. And really, wouldn't you do better if you had someone to do all the things that you don't want to do or you're not going to do as well? And then you focus on the things that you're already doing. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's such a good thing to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. If you have like a team, like how do you talk to people about, I like what you said about like kind of having the mission trickle down. Yeah. Like I think that that might almost answer this question, but I was going to say like once you have a team, like I think one of the things I've worried about is before I started my business, I, I worked in, I mostly interned in like some bigger companies yeah. and, and saw it was like so boring <laughs> and yeah, like no one even like talked to each other. Like there was just like, no, it was just not the feeling that I would want mm-hmm. if my business was, I mean, even if my business was never to grow close to that size, but you know, even when there's like three or four people, like 
and everyone is not you and they're doing things differently. But like, how do you kind of keep up like just a great vibe? Like, I feel like we all want to create a business that's going to feel so good. Everyone's going to love working there. Mm-hmm. All of those things. Yeah. Like, because most people, when they start businesses, they'll say, right, like, I'll, I'll be completely honest. Like, I, I, when I started a business, wanted to get away from all the freaking stress and dysfunction of Wall Street, right? So I wanted to create something that would be fun for other people, that would impact other people. And so all of us want to help, right? Like, we get so many people these days that say when they, when they want to start their own business, they're like, I want to have impact and I want to help the world. Well, guess what? When you start your own business and when you have a team, that's where you can have impact because you're paying those people a salary and then that is impacting their their family life, right? The mm-hmm. fact that they have a job. If it's like a mom that you're supporting, she's showing her family like independent women and being strong, etc. So you're having impact right there. And this is where it becomes important for you once again to know yourself, know your values, because your values becomes your company's values. Like the, mm-hmm. the why behind the company, you know, what is important to you, why it is important to you, and then if you're actually know any, any business, it's like how we serve our clients, the delight that we bring for them, right? That's all the impact that you're having. So knowing all of that upfront and then bringing that energy to your business, like showing up in that light. And this is where it becomes important for you not to be overworked, to make certain shifts in your own lifestyle and this is a lot of what I help my my private clients with, is to make this mindset shift that you are now the visionary of this company. And as part of the visionary and as part of the leader, you are actually now here to support your staff. They are now the workhorses that are going to help you to execute this big vision. And therefore, you have to support them, right? And when you're supporting them, and you have to show up as the solution. What, someone asked me once and they were like, do you want to show up as the problem or the solution? And I was like, oh my goodness, you definitely want to show up as the solution for your employees. Yeah. Oh, I love, I love that. Like it could be as simple as like being the role model, basically like yeah. doing the things. And then obviously it's always communication. Sorry, I cut you off there, but like, it's always about just keep open lines of communication, over communicate with people. And then if there are like, say sometimes someone's doing something wrong or something that's annoying you, remember that that's just a slither of the person. It's not the whole person. Because what happens when an employee shows up late the whole time and seems like they don't have any respect for us, et cetera, et cetera. We start to just laser focus in on that. And actually that person's way more than that. And if you can remind yourself, yeah, of all the other qualities. Yeah. That's so helpful. I think. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. That's, this is so much. I feel like people can go out and like grow their team and build their business now. (laughs) You say those things like that was so much that people like, like we can do it. Mm-hmm. We can you can do it. absolutely do it. It's fear and, and take a step to build a team and get your business to scale beyond where you are. Absolutely. Yes. No, absolutely. That's all so much. I want to go back a little bit, just kind of like more the personal side of, for you for like one more second. Like what's mm-hmm. your, I can tell obviously, and I already know like how much you just like love this stuff, but what's <laughs> kind of your favorite part like of what you do and 
you know, of your business and of working with people, like what do you love the most about doing this? Okay. So I think two things in there. One is selfish (laughs) and the other one is for the people. But I think the base is when I'm sitting with a client and I'm holding the space for them to really figure out what's going on and they have a breakthrough and they have a shift and they, they like they get that energy again and they, they see the solution and they then go and they execute and they come back to the next call and they're like, oh my word, it's so much different already. And like, it's just wonderful. Like I had a woman the other day, actually twice this week where I was on the phone with a client and she literally ended the call going, I love this. Like, and she was (laughs) screaming it, right? Like, so just invigorating people like that and then pulling them into action, getting them out of their own way. And I think I love that so much is because I myself have, have seen these shifts through being coached myself, right? So um, to back up a little bit, I suffered from depression when I was between ages of 16 and 21. And then I'm also a, a sexual assault survivor, right? And the way I did this was through coaching. Like the, the reason why I've survived, the reason why I was able to make the shifts and not let that very dark part of my life eat me up was because of coaching. And so it feels wonderful to be able to give this to other people. So it's very, it's very personal, but it's in very gratifying to help people do that in their own lives and now specifically in their businesses. And then I can talk business strategy all day, every day. Like my mom has told me when I go back home, she's like, can you just please stop like figuring out another business for me to start? <laughs> so I literally will just keep going if you don't shut me off. I've, I've learned to kind, kind of control that a little bit more. And then I really love marketing. So I do sort of like, you know, writing and it, this wasn't always the case. I'll be completely honest. When I started my business, I was like, what is this? But I really do love being able to market and you know, think of new ways to pull people in. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I think the other thing, I know you only asked for two things, but I'm going to give a third one is I really love in-person connection and creating experiences for people. So that's Mm -hmm. why my retreats are, I just love them because I get to create an experience for someone and specifically entrepreneurs where we so often deny ourselves you know, expansive experiences. Like we don't often spoil ourselves because we are busy investing all the money back into the business. And so Uh I just love spoiling people. It's just one of my things and I get to do that through the retreat. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this was all so helpful. I think we should cut it off here. I feel, <laughs> I feel like I just got like a business coaching session. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad. I'm glad. And I hope everybody who listens to this episode can walk away with just one thing that they can go and do differently in their business. And I mean, and if you get stuck, please do remember that it is normal to get stuck and it is okay then to go and ask for outside help. It is, you know, it's totally normal that you don't necessarily go away and are able to fit all the pieces of the puzzle together. And then if you have someone or if you need someone, you can always reach out to me. We're taking on new members into the Savvy Business Masterminds. I am currently taking on new private clients for 2020. I think this is going to come out in November, we said somewhere. But yeah, yeah so- you're, 
You're so good with planning in advance. I love it. So <laughs> reaching out to who are thinking about what they need to do for 2020. So, and if you're not, you should. So. Yes. yes. Well, like, yeah. So tell, um, and you work with people who are not local, right? Cause you can yes. do a lot of stuff online. Yes. Yeah. So I do, when you work with me, even if you live in Boston, when you, the coaching and the masterminds all happen via zoom or a phone call. So you can live anywhere in the world. And as long as you have a business, I can help you. <laughs> or you're thinking of starting one, I can help you as well. Um, so you don't have to be local to Boston at all. Yes, you can reach out anytime. Oh, and before we say where exactly people can find you, I always leave it with kind of one. And again, I feel like you've just kind of like dropped everything on us. So maybe it's going to be redundant. I always try to ask people at the end, what's one main tip that you'd want to share with other women in yes. business? So I would say, think bigger, mm. think way bigger. I see, and, and I, I'll say this to myself because actually this is what made me think of it when you say, what was one thing you wish you knew? So if I think back of my Pilates business, oh my freaking goodness, I <laughs> should have like, I could have blown that out so much bigger and better than I did. And two reasons. Number one, I was thinking too small. I was thinking way, way, way too small. Now, again, I don't really like saying that because we're all playing big at the level that we're at, but I wish I had invested a little bit more into mentors and coaches for that specific part of my business because that's how you get to the next level is by someone challenging you, someone get, keeping you accountable. And then the other thing is stop paying attention to what people are doing in your area that you're working like the, the rest of your market, your industry, get okay. out of your own industry. Because part of the reason why I didn't blow out my business as much is because I was too preoccupied with what others in the industry was doing. So focusing too much on or reacting too much on what the competition in air quotations are doing right? And mm -hmm. because I did that, I completely blocked myself into a corner. And this is why I preach and love masterminds so much because, you know, when you connect into a mastermind, you're connecting into a group of women who come from a completely different background, who are in a completely different industry as you are. And so you can learn from them, flip what you're learning and apply it to your industry and then completely innovate and blow things out of like, you know, out of the water versus staying in your own little niche and corner. Right. So, and then you're doing the same things that everyone else is doing exactly. or not even thinking about how you can go beyond that because you're already on par with everyone else. Exactly. Exactly. So definitely join a mastermind. <laughs> join my mastermind. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, tell people how they can find you. If they are interested, where are they going to find you yes. online? How do they sign up and stuff? Yeah. 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 So you can find me anywhere as Hanukkah Antonelli, which is a mouthful to spell. So we're just going to put that in the show notes because it's definitely not spelled the way you think it is. And so it's HanukkahAntonelli.com online via the website, or you can find me on Instagram is really my jam. Hanukkah Antonelli is the, uh, the little handle there. And then on Facebook, I'm everywhere as most businesses are, just don't try and find me on Twitter because I, I have a handle, but I hardly ever log in there. So if you ping me there or even LinkedIn, like, can we just quickly talk about LinkedIn while we're here? <laughs> I have so much, like I get spammed through there so much. 
So really? yeah. So please don't LinkedIn me because I don't, I only log in like once every two weeks and I've missed quite a few things as a result of that. It's so terrible. Maybe I should outsource that actually to one of my, one of my assistants need to actually yeah, check that through the spam. Yeah. Um, but please email me like even Facebook messenger. I'm like, I love Facebook Ma- messenger because we can, we can connect with each other, but then because you can't like market that you haven't read it yet. It's mm-hmm. often like I see it and then, you know, you don't get it. Oh my um, goodness. Worse. Anybody who has ever Facebook messengered me knows that yeah, <laughs> you may or may not get a response yeah. in the next three weeks because it will totally, totally falls off your radar. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah. So, I mean, you can find me through all of these channels, but I would say email is normally like the base way. Or if you're really interested in working with me on my website, there are, there's an application form. Um, and that that's definitely going to land, you know, awesome. somewhere where I can get to you very quickly. That's the easiest way. That's, exactly. the, that's the best way to actually join be a part of it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Yeah. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks yes. for coming. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the Female Millennial Entrepreneur Podcast so you won't miss the next episode and leave a review on iTunes with your favorite takeaway from this episode. Also, don't be shy to get in touch with me or anyone you heard on the show. We're all about connecting and our Instagram handles and other links are always in the show notes and we're always happy to hear from you with thoughts, ideas, or even suggestions of someone you'd love to hear me talk to on the show. You can also submit guests online at polinapr.com slash podcast. Lastly, please drop a comment on the post for this episode on the podcast Instagram at Female Millennial Entrepreneurs to let me know you listened. Tune in next time.